right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, full intro time, late night pod time, injuries on the line of scrimmage time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Got the full crew in the house tonight. Does that mean it's football season? I think it does. If we're podcasting and the sun's, sun's not out, that usually means that it's football season. Guys, why are we doing this on a Friday night? Good, Great question. Good question. Good question. <laughs> My uh, wife has that same question. Yeah. The, the simple answer for that is uh, Tennessee has started football camp, and this is the only time I believe that I've seen during camp that they've got a nighttime practice scheduled. So we didn't want to record a podcast and then bring you all this neat stuff about here's what's going on, and then boom, somebody like one of the starters gets hurt there on Friday night and then we have to do the whole thing over again. So that's why the Friday morning podcast is now a very, very late Friday evening podcast. Fellas, how are we doing tonight? I'm here. We're, we're here and we're cool because we're recording a podcast on Friday night. That's right. It's true. And we are, I uh, need to tell you this, we are going to get later in the podcast, we're going to get to some questions. We hadn't been, we hadn't done that in a while. That's our bad. We hadn't thrown that out there uh, for the listeners, for the questions. For we did of, that. For those of you who are on the checkerboard on GoVols 24-7, and if you're not... Why not? Not everyone else can just go straight to hell. But the people who are on GoVols247.com, we threw that out there on the checkerboard, and we will take some questions from them here in a little bit. But this isn't the first podcast you've heard from this, us this week, guys. We did have one a couple of them earlier this week. We had a couple of uh, big news things happen. Keon Johnson, the basketball commitment to Tennessee. Big time, big time get there for Tennessee. So go back and listen to that if you want to hear about Tennessee adding more or less a five-star kid right on the fringe of that to that really great recruiting class they've already got assembled. And Rick Barnes and his staff are doing a great job there. Then Pat and I went over here and did a uh, not-as-good-news podcast, I think you could say, uh, about the loss of Emmett Gooden there for the season. Tennessee senior nose guard defensive lineman, a guy who they will miss a lot. He is out for the season, but he can't come back next season. We're going to talk plenty about that, and we're going to get to that now. We had to do the breaking news one on earlier, but now it's time to really kind of break this down, guys. And for those of you who missed it, Tennessee's Emmett Gooden, as I just mentioned, out for the season. Guys, not not good news. Yeah, and the reason we're going to touch on it some more is because we've seen the defensive line practice without Gooden now for what, three days? Yes, yeah, three This days. week, Wednesday, Thursday, and now Friday, too. So we've gotten to see... Uh, and we've gotten to see a longer look at some of these guys in pads and kind of what they look like going through drills. And uh, it's interesting something that Jeremy Pruitt said uh, Wednesday night after announcing Gooden was hurt, uh, talking about how they, they're not moving anybody over and, and saying that there wasn't a lot of difference between the guys. But he also said that – Sack of potatoes. Um, when they go through drills and do, you know, other things, you know, when they, when it's like individual drills, they look good. You know, they look the part. You, they got a lot of big guys yeah. and a lot, of, a lot of bodies there and a lot of guys that – you know, show a lot of power and do things, uh, ha- have athleticism and things like that. But when they get to 11 on 11 and seven, you know, ha- half line stuff and things like that, there's a lot more going on. That's where, uh, the more of their inconsistencies, uh, inconsistency shows up, which you would expect with a, a young group and a group that's not, uh, doesn't have a whole lot of experience. So, um, they're still very much a work in progress, but I, I was watching practice Friday and, uh, it seemed like Tracy rocker 
seemed like he was really on top of a few different guys. And usually if a coach is on top of you, it means they think you can be good. And three guys that looked like he was really coaching or hard. Or they really, really need you. Yeah, and, and the three guys he was coaching, maybe a little bit harder than everybody else, were Kingston Harris, who's mm-hmm. an interesting one. He's got yes. kind of gets lost in the mix there. And then uh, Elijah Simmons, who is – Wes will claim him as his boy, but he's all of our boys because we all love Elijah. I mean, he, he's point. <laughs> when, when you when you can dunk a basketball to start, despite being as wide as you are tall, that's impressive. And, and the other guy is Daryl Middleton, who is another guy that definitely passes the eye test, but is still uh, like he went through a, a drill and it was didn't hit the pad hard enough. And Tracy Rock was like, "That's soft. Go do it again." So, and so it, that's the third time I've seen that happen with that with with him this camp. So they're really getting on him. If you're yeah. six seven, three eleven, whatever well, he is, that's something you, you got something. Yeah, you got to figure that out as a big guy. So I, that makes sense. You got to get got to get him playing at the right level of physicality early on. Set the tone. Yeah, and, and I think we should mention that that there is a bit of good news that we'll get to with that defensive front. One name that we may have written off a little bit too soon, but uh, we'll see. Uh, you give them water, they grow. So sometimes guys can surprise you. And one guy might kind of sort of be on the verge of doing that. But I do think we need to, to address this because what I said in that breaking news podcast is still true right now. Gooden's loss was not so severe because he was one of the four or five best players on this team. I'm not saying that. He might be, he might not be. The the thing is, when you talk about guys who are just so hard to replace, they don't have another proven veteran guy who can sit there on the nose and say what you will about Shai Tuttle uh, toward the end of his career after the injuries kind of sapped everything out of him. He could still hold up at the point of attack. He could still hold up a blocker or two. And if you think that Tennessee's defense last season was rough at times, well, take, take him and Gooden out of the mix, and then you'll see how much worse it would have been because they were okay at people running right at them. That's when people was, would go side to yeah. side, they would struggle a little bit, and, and now you're taking away not one but both of the guys who held that job last season, and I don't know who they have. I thought I like Simmons down the road in that role. Don't know if he's ready now. Middleton, uh, you, you like that length, but I'm telling you, at the nose, that's not always a great thing because he's got those long arms. His technique has got to be good. If he's too upright, he'll get yes. blown back. Yes, if his pads are too high, he's going to be in trouble. If he extends too much, he's going to get in trouble. He has to make himself more disruptive than he is right now, and, and there's a ways to go there, and I, I think he has the ability to do it. I mean, won the JUCO national title, key part of that defense last year, I'm not knocking him as a prospect. He's a heck of a prospect. Ton of potential. I just think that that he's got a ways to go. And I would say the same thing about Savion Williams. He's a guy who looks so powerful when you look at him. I mean, his shoulders are just – he's massive in the upper body. Um, but you got to play like that. And we see this with JUCO guys all the time. They come in and they think they understand the speed of the game because they've been playing at JUCO. Uh, and then they get to a, a place like Tennessee, and they go, "Oh, this is this is faster, this is tougher." And I think those two guys right now, Tennessee needs them, and they've got to improve. I, I think it's no accident that you, you you touched on Tracy Rocker being all kind of all over Kingston Harris and Elijah Simmons. I think Harris is the other guy that's probably not talked about enough, who is that nose tackle type body. Yeah. And, and when they yeah. moved him back from the offensive line to defensive line, that's kind of what they envisioned. Would for he him. even be the starter today? Maybe if they played a game two day right now. He, if, and they don't know I, about Solomon, maybe. I, I doubt it, but I, I can't rule it out because, I mean, the, you're either taking a chance on someone like Savion Williams being able to hold up in the middle or or you're rolling out a guy like that. Now, the reality or you're, or you're taking a veteran like Matt Butler who's a little bit smaller maybe Butler than you'd like. Butler can't play the middle. Yeah, I don't. Well, I mean, who someone's got to. I, I, th- I think it's going to be some combination. If Solomon's eligible, I think it's probably going to be some combination of Solomon, Savion Williams, and then Simmons and uh, – 
Simmons and Kingston Harris, probably. Those and are, maybe Greg Emerson. Maybe too. Greg Emerson. Yeah, those 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 are that your was, five candidates. I think that was the positive name, and I think we should mention that because uh, we were watching practice on Friday night just a couple hours ago, Pat, and I think it was you who mentioned it first, looked over at me, and you said Emerson's having looking looking a little bit better, and I said, yeah, yeah, he is. And this was a guy who was a huge prospect coming to Tennessee, uh, but coming off a really nasty injury his senior season. But before that injury occurred, this was an elite prospect that everybody and their mother wanted to be on their football program. And maybe after a year to transition, get himself back some weight on that leg, get used to the speed of the game, get in better shape. Maybe he's got a chance. Yeah, I mean, and still he's, a retro freshman. He's got to have. I mean, he's he's going to have plenty of chances to show what he can do, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look back at that class, it was the hastily put together class, sort of the transitional class. And Emerson, I think he and Alante Taylor and, and JJ Peterson were the three highest rated guys in that class. Yeah. I, I don't know what the exact order was, but the, the once, we, once proclaimed big three in state uh, on the defensive line, Brant Lawless and DeAndre Lidiker, Emerson was the biggest of the three, always yeah, was. Yeah. And he still, he was the one that stuck. And he's a guy that we get a lot of questions about too, uh, on our board. Um, he's a guy that gets asked about consistently and, um, I, we don't need to get too. I don't think we need to get too carried away and annoying him anything yet. But he is moving better. I think better than he probably has since he's been on campus. Just moving laterally and moving through drills. Uh, he's not as sluggish. He doesn't look out of shape like he did a lot in his first year. Um, which a lot of that you can attribute to to the injury. But um, yeah, he's a guy that that's you know I think he flashed a couple times in the spring game and you know you see some things that you know you just got to kind of keep working with him and see and um, again he's another guy that that will get a chance and six through three Oh nine. He's going to get a chance. That's one thing he's always been is really big. And so, um, I remember that when, when he was a, rec- a recruit, it was like, Oh, he's, he's going to be an edge guy. I was like, no one. Uh, he was the only one that thought he was going to be an edge he, guy. He thought he was a four, three defensive end <laughs> at one point. We're yeah, like, but yeah. No, he, no, he, he's definitely a, no. an inside guy and he's a guy that's, that's been here. I mean, although I saw it, him at three, four end and some, it, some, this, this isn't, guys. you know, this isn't the most experienced group. I mean, he's probably been here longer than a lot of these guys. He was an early enrollee in 2018. Yeah. So, um, he's he's coming along and and we'll have to see how him and some of the rest of these guys keep going yeah not to belabor the point but this is not a place where you want to be inexperienced this is not a place where because you talk about tennessee trying to take the next step as a program that does not happen point blank period that does not happen until the defensive line plays pretty well until you're pretty good at the line of scrimmage you don't have to be great but until you're okay at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball that that's it's going to be hard for Tennessee to take the next step. Those guys have got to be better than they are right now. But hey, there's a few weeks to go till the season starts, and well, then you can still develop during the season. Right. Well, let, let's be real about what the what the the injury to Emmett Gooden does. It's not like you said that you're losing, say, an All SEC player. It's not that you're losing a player that's so good that that it's you know he's one of your best guys. It's that he was just the experienced one of the bunch, and now it, and was as productive as the starters yeah. in half the reps last year. And and now you've got just a bunch of wild cards up there. It's not that you have no talent. It's not that you have no one with potential. It's just you don't know what you're going to get from really any of those guys because even the experience guys or juco players or guys who've never really played a, a large number of snaps in the sec aubrey solomon would immediately become the most experienced of these guys left if he's eligible to play and i still think he might be more of a three four defensive end naturally uh, yeah. than a nose guard they just don't have and i know the days of like terrence cody looking dudes yeah, playing nose guard that's that's done look at the guys who bama puts on the nose now and that's it doesn't have to be elijah simmons Pete, you know? tennessee fans hate hearing about bama but that's the that's still mostly the standard guys, and they play the same defense. It's the same kind of program Pruitt's trying to build in terms of the philosophies on both sides of the ball, and they don't have a 340-pound nose guard anymore. You yeah. don't need to be huge there. 
but you do need to be able to hold up at the point of attack. You do have to occupy, in a perfect world, two blockers, but mm-hmm. at least one. Uh, because if a team, this is simple, guys, if a team can hand it off and run a two-trap and get five yards every single carry, then you're not going to beat that team unless it turns the ball over. No. You you cannot do anything on defense if you can't stop that. That has to be the foundation, and if you're not good at that, you're going to have a hard time. And that's what gave Tennessee a chance last season was that Tennessee mostly was pretty good at that. And that's how they beat Kentucky and Auburn. You run right at them. They had a chance. So there's lots to discuss there. That's going to be an ongoing topic throughout the season. We're going to have plenty more to talk about on the defensive line all year long, but we also need to talk about – oh, go ahead. And we still, as I say, we still got to say we don't know on Aubrey Solomon. We still don't Probably know. Probably this weekend because I don't think the NCAA is open on weekends. Yeah. Yeah, there's no news to break that. People keep wondering about who's going to break this story. It, it's going to be when Tennessee gets an email from the NCAA saying, hey, um, he's okay, or hey, he's not. And there's really nothing to it other than that. It's the NCAA saying yes. NCAA is like the, like, uh, the, emperor, like the emperor and gladiator. They're going to put their thumb down or their thumb up. And then you can go from there. Well, and here's the thing. We don't know what the holdup is. We don't know if Tennessee has heard back and is appealing. We don't know if Tennessee, is, sure. if, if Michigan has, has put up some resistance to this because they often go to the previous school that a player was at and get kind of get their input on why they're leaving the school. So there could be any number of things. And it might just be that Tennessee submitted their request later than some other schools did for these guys who have already been cleared. That so, would surprise me, but I can't rule it out. I think yeah. if, if they had heard back and had submitted a waiver or appealed it, I think they would have just said it the million times they've been asked about it at this point. Probably. And I I think that there's clearly a factor there that we don't know. Because if you look at it, Tennessee has felt pretty confident about this from the beginning. And when that happens, there's usually an X factor there in terms of what the appeal is and what their grounds are for it. Tennessee has had a pretty good public face about this the whole time, saying they think they have a good case, which usually means they've, they've... they're holding a pretty good pair of cards I, there in, in, in their hand. They feel like they've got something. We just don't know what it is. I would say it's more optimism than confidence, though. Think so? so, yeah. I th- I've I think always thought it was real confidence. I, I mean, might not be. I, I, I'm not, it's probably cautious confidence just because yeah, the NCAA is so pr- unpredictable with how they kind of rule on these things. I was going to say optimism in the sense that they clearly. But, but with Gibbs, they've never said they no, thought no. they had a chance. Well, no, it's that they clearly have a case for it. It's just, I don't know that you, I don't know if they've ever felt a hundred, you know, anything close to 100% confidence that. It was enough of a case that, that it was a sure thing. So, and that's the, that's the other thing. I mean, Michigan, if they did put up some resistance, that could be a factor because I mean, Jim Harbaugh has kind of acted like he's okay with you know transfers. He doesn't look they're, like the kind of guy who's going to put up a fight, but they always could. Yeah, that, and that that sort of came to light this week. I think there was a a quarterback that transferred from Washington to UCLA, and mm-hmm. uh, Chip Kelly was basically like, "Yep, Washington was the reason he didn't get cleared." And but you know, again, that's a within the conference move, so that's right. a little bit different, but. Yeah, and and if you're a if you're a quarterback and you lawyer up and you don't go to the same conference, you've got a pretty good chance now of being able to get that waiver. Or you go to Ohio State, as we've seen, <laughs> they can they can make that happen. Uh, other guys, we'll see. But Tennessee's other lines, other side of the line of scrimmage, we do need to discuss that too. Uh, again, for the seventh time, just in the past few years alone. Uh, Tennessee has had an offensive lineman who is ending his career prematurely for medical reasons. This time it's Nathan Niehaus. Uh, Unless someone's 
been privy to information that I don't have yet. I don't know exactly what it is. It might just be wear and tear. It's had some what back issues that we that we think are the main. Yeah, I always wonder if it's some sort of concussion type of issue too, because you just always worry about that with those guys banging heads on the line of scrimmage. But if it was that clear cut, I don't know that it would have happened when it did. I think the fact that you look at this happening less than a week into camp and and all that, it makes you think that you know maybe playing time was a consideration in this. I think uh, so too because he moved positions just a day yeah. or so before. It's still a weird deal to me because I mean he was at practice on Tuesday. And Wednesday, he, you know, Pruitt said he's leaving the team. Uh, I, you know, he was a guy that was in the mix to, to start and, and a guy that, that we've said before that the staff liked his toughness and, and kind of his versatility to play guard. Pruitt's mentioned him specifically tackle. a couple times about how he likes him. Yeah. And, you know, and just up and, and one day he's, he's not, you know, he's not playing anymore. I, he, it doesn't sound like he's going to continue his football career. He came out with a statement on, uh, uh, what was it, Thursday. Sent a, uh, sent a statement to Ryan saying that it was kind of the wear and tear and um, just sustained, you know, in, you know, injuries on his on his body and and again, this was a guy that didn't play his first two years here and a guy another one of those guys that came in undersized wasn't wasn't a big guy. It took him a while to get to where he was three hundred pounds and sort of looking the part of a uh, of an SEC offensive lineman. So uh, and, and a guy that didn't play his retro freshman year because he was hurt and so you know another guy with injury a history of injuries and that's something that's been a common theme with all of just about all of these guys that have had the medical out is uh, they have had, they've had histories of injuries before, you know, uh, before they even got to the point where they had to, to stop playing. So, I mean, he was a guy that was going to be, I don't know if he would have been a starter, but I think he had a chance to be in that sort of six, seven, eight mm-hmm. range to kind of help. If he wasn't uh, starting, he there. was an injury or two away from, from being a guy out there on the field. And, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I haven't heard as much about the playing time issue. I mean, he did switch back to guard right before it happened, and that made me wonder because he had a chance but to start But he started guard last year, and but if you're I, starting, I, I, it doesn't, you know. It looked to me shouldn't. like he had a chance going into camp to be a starting tackle, perhaps. And, and, and then, then, But then Darnell Wright showed up. Yeah, so. Tatum and Darnell Wright, I think, had that position sort of locked down. So I think once once maybe the, it became obvious there wasn't a fairly clear path to playing time, I think it could be one of those situations where you say, okay, I'm dealing with these injuries. If I'm playing, I'm willing to fight through it. If I'm not sure I'm going to play, do I want to keep doing this? And I think that's maybe what it – I don't know that, but that that's that would make sense for a guy dealing old, with injury problems. The old Callahan speculation. There we go. That's, I think <laughs> Got to say that it is speculation, but, yes, I, I, I do wonder if that's maybe how you look at it if you're dealing with injuries. And I'm going to say this as someone who's actually kind of liked Niehaus as a prospect throughout the, the entire time. I, I thought he was a guy who – you could look at him in a few years and look at a fifth-year senior who turned out to be a pretty good player – I've always kind of liked him in that way, but but I do think that I'm going to say this, and I don't want it to sound rude. I don't think this is a huge deal for Tennessee. I don't think it's good news. Ouch. I don't think it's good news. Ouch. I don't think it's good news. The bad thing is you've lost two scholarship linemen in two months now. That's the problem, is that if you have a couple of guys go down, certainly this seems like more of a problem. And if you look at recent history saying, with Tennessee's had, offensive line. If you had 2017 again, you're yeah, I mean, in trouble. When you start looking at like the, the nation's like deadliest jobs, you're like, you know, SEAL Team 6, Firefighter, Tennessee offensive line. Like it, it's, it's just <laughs> defensive linemen. It, it's stupid how many guys they've had. And, and I think a lot of it has been bad luck. I think some guys they've taken a chance on thinking they could get something right and they couldn't. Uh, but in other cases, it was just a random thing. And when we say this, and I'm glad that, that Ryan corrected this before. I'm actually, for the first time well, in my actually, life, I'm glad about a well-actually Ryan got, correction. You got Callahan. I, I'm actually glad the about this one. Callahan. Because He's if he hadn't, if he hadn't said head. this, I was going to say something incorrect on the podcast. Even if, if, you, don't, if you don't count Trey Smith, 
well, then actually, he just will actually. And you, have no reason, and you have no reason to count Trey Smith okay. at this point. Is that yeah. like a fourth wall breaking inside a fourth wall? What, yeah. What's that? When you look at this, without Trey Smith, there are seven guys in the past few years from Tennessee's offensive line who have had to end their careers early with medical reasons, and that is just astounding. That's, just offensive linemen. I mean, that you expect a couple because that's just the way it goes, but, man, that's bad The, the, the overarching the, – the, the easy answer is that, well, when you have an optional strength and conditioning program, the, the position that's going to get hurt the most is the position where being strong and big and able to hold up optional is going to be impacted the most. You're doing a lot of, you know, the offensive line takes the biggest yeah, beating. When, when your job's on the line and so you kowtow to pressure from players and basically get rid of a pretty solid strength and conditioning coach and then go through a year with an assistant strength and conditioning coach. Well, we don't yeah, need, that, that's what we, happens. We don't need to get into all that again. But, I mean, if you look at these situations individually, I mean, uh, Jack Jones is maybe the one guy that didn't have a, an injury before he got here. That kind of happened over time. Uh, Chance Hall's situation was – he had an Achilles in high school and then he had knee issues that he just never could get right. Devontae Brooks tore two ACLs before he got here. Yep. yep. Um, Those are important. Yes. Uh, okay. Who are some of these other guys? Well, I'm we've trying had to think. McBride and now Kneehouse. Uh, McBride, I think that was health. Not health, where we didn't get into the details on that, but I think I don't think that was a secret behind that, the yeah. scenes. That wasn't a shock to anyone. him. Uh, Does this are, happen elsewhere or is this just Tennessee? Uh, well, and here's the other thing these seven, that doesn't even include. The guys like Venzel Bulwer who've just left. So yeah. I haven't even looked at the total, but when you throw those guys in, it's no wonder, so, right? They've been trying to restock the offensive line for what seems like four years. New rule: sign at least ten O linemen every class. That's got to apparently be the plan. if you're yeah. Tennessee, if you're trying to build. I mean, depth this here. was never a problem for Derek Dooley because he just didn't recruit <laughs> offensive. He, he did have that whole class. You where can't he didn't medically have retire well, if you don't exist. He signed six one year, and then he said, "I'm just not going to." I'm sign good. Anything. That's my quota. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, it, it, we we forget about things like he went through an entire recruiting class. <laughs> Signing an offensive line. He tried to, which is the most one of the most amazing things that's ever happened. And yet, if you were to make a list of things at Tennessee in the past 15 years, barely scratches the surface. But man, thing. that's a big deal. But in his, his defense, he tried to sign one. He just missed on it. <laughs> to his credit, they stayed healthy. Though. Who they missed? They missed out on there was a center that went to Washington. I can't remember his name right now, but it was a, a, a guy from uh, yeah. Mount West or he was from California and went to Washington. He was a West Coast but, guy. And they, remar- he, remarkably, though, I mean, you look at all this attrition they've had at that position. Uh, Tanner and Unity is another guy. You don't lose yes. 100% of the offensive linemen. You, you don't sign. <laughs> Thank you, Michael Scott. But, but you, look at the second, you look at the second five they're running out in some of these drills. I mean, it's not a half-bad-looking That's what I'm saying. It's not, second a, group. it's not a huge deal unless it's, a couple more injuries happen. Yeah, I mean, to if, quote Butch, you don't need five offensive linemen. You need seven or eight. Wasn't that something he always said? Yeah, and that was one of the few things I think he said that it was actually true. That but actually you, makes but you sense. Got a, you got a second group now with Jameer Johnson, who started 11 games for you last year. Darnell Wright, I don't know how much longer he's going to be in the second group. I'm still banging the drum on this. Jameer Johnson, I don't know that he's going to come off the bench in the first game. I think he was one of their best offensive linemen last uh, season. I, I think I, he's going to find a way. If Trey Smith plays, it's it's complicated. Uh, I, don't, I don't know Smith, what happens. If Trey Smith doesn't play, I would bank on their starting offensive line being from Juan. left to right, Juan Morris, Jameer, Brandon Kennedy at center, uh, Calvert at guard. It yeah. looked like Carvin was with the first group on Friday night, though. I think so it'll be the, Calvert. That's the murkiest one, though. Um, and then either Marcus Tatum or Darnell Wright. Sharpie? And I'd go Tatum right now. Sharpie? I think Tatum probably yeah, has who, the who best. You sharp? I'm not, no, I'm not sharpying any you of You said that. take it to the bank? Yeah, you did. I think, I think <laughs> yeah, Tatum you said, on you August. Said, you said you, bank on it. You've stood pretty hard on this August table. Night. Run back the tape. Uh, bank on it. I wish I could make a roll. Well, if we're making predictions here on August 9th, I'm gonna I'm I'm still sticking to Wayne Morris and Darnell Wright being day one starters. Oh, okay. I I go Calvert and Tatum on the right side over 
over Morris. I think if the season starts today, it's Calvert and Tatum. Now I'll go, what I'll go 12 more medical retirements, and they play six-man football. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Montana style. What's that called, the A11 offense or whatever, when they just throw yeah. a bunch of guys out there? They could do that. Uh, but before we move on, guys, I, I do have some some good news. Um, we still like products, don't we? Oh, yeah. Do we do we enjoy services across the board? Do we yeah. do we take advantage of services? Do we like them? Everybody's got to have them. Do you like hearing about ads? You know, for do you like hearing about new podcasts that you're like, man, I really like this podcast. I wonder what other ones CBS has. Probably a lot of other really good ones. Do we like hearing that too? Yeah, roll that beautiful beam footage. I got good news for y'all. Then hashtag ad. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We're back. Good I break, feel, everyone. I feel refreshed. Everyone feel refreshed. Got in a good stretch. A little bit. You know, you don't want to sit here and just too long and get cramped up. You know, you know, Ramey's over here doing the whole end of his career. Larry Bird laying on the lying on the ground. Stretch my in, legs. You know, the Steve Nash lying on the ground in between uh, reps out there on the court. By the way, circling back to unimportant uh, trivia, Matt Cochran was the name of the offensive lineman Tennessee tried to sign in the 2012 class. He was a center from California who signed with Cal. Obviously, Tennessee was the far-from-home option, and he took an official visit, but that was all that came of it. So they tried to sign one interior they, they, lineman. They weren't able to toe-a-toe to, to toe that one? When was yeah. this? This was in the 2012 class. This was after you know the same offseason where Derek Dooley loses seven of his that assistant is, coaches. That, that, that is a heck of what a good memory. What year is this? <laughs> what year is this? This is 2019, this is 2019 okay. so it's you been... need to get out more. Yeah, been, it's been <laughs> seven and a half years. I had to look it up. I didn't know that. Oh, uh, I thought you knew off the top of your head. That would have been way, no. way, way more impressive. Come on, back I, in the old well-actually Rolodex. I just... I just <laughs> I just said, you know, he's from Washington or California. I couldn't remember, but well, hashtag Ryan didn't know. We do have some some better news to discuss here. Uh, this Tennessee class of newcomers, again, they've been in pads for just a few practices now. Actually, two because you know Friday night they didn't even wear full pads, so we don't know exactly. They haven't had their first major scrimmage. That's going to happen this weekend. We don't know a lot about some of these guys yet, but I th- do think that we have seen enough and we have definitely heard enough to know that to this point, this crop of newcomers is one that this Tennessee staff likes, and it's true don't, because don't this was their the, first don't, class. Just don't even pump the brakes yet, Wes. Just don't even – some of these cats are the real deal. <laughs> I, oh, I, I'm saying it. <laughs> oh, oh, well, I mean, history tells you that a few of them are, a few of them aren't, and then, you know, the the majority of the class, if they hit or miss, that that's where the you win or not. I, I think uh, – was it the first day, Ryan, or one of the first two days, we were like – we watched Henry Toa Toa. First like, day. 
You're like, yep, yeah. he looks like a guy that would play at Alabama. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. What, what I think it was you that said that. Do yeah. you think, is that what happens when you have a 235-pound linebacker who can run? Is that, is that, yeah, that's what they look like. Well, yeah, here, that looks good. Here's the thing about Toa Toa. He doesn't even, he's not even as, if you looked at Alabama's linebacker drills the first day of camp, their guys all look like Daryl Taylor and Daniel Batuli. Like, they're that built. Toa Toa doesn't even look like that yet. Like, he's got a couple years in the weight room before he gets to that point. Yeah, if you're Bama, you're looking at a guy like Kovaris Crouch and being like, man, I wish he was a little bit taller. If you're Tennessee, yeah. you're like, look at that stud. Right. Because but, that, that that's that's the difference but, right now. So, so Toa Toa is still not even a finished product, but looking at him out there, he just moves so well that it's like, okay, that's why he's a top 50 and, prospect. And what, what Pruitt said, what was it, Wednesday? After practice, yes, when he was asked mm-hmm. about Henry, and this is a guy that didn't say anybody's name, a single player in camp yeah. last last year, and that's changed a lot. And, and it's a program where the players are coached up to not talk about themselves or a, a specific teammate, but to an like annoying the, level, right? The the whole group wide whatever progress, and then J- Pruitt says this guy could do the signals right now if he needed to. He's picking mean, things up quickly, just the the way he kind of. I mean, for, for Pruitt, that was gushing. You heard that tone, and you said, okay, he might not just play. He might start. Right, it sounded like he could be your starting if whatever. You, if you can find a way to get him and Batuli into the lineup at the same time, because, you know, you, those are probably two of your four or five best linebackers. It's just can you configure it to where they're both out there? And, and well, you know, they, they got two inside positions. I mean, they, there's no reason you can't. But they're slightly different positions, so you have to make sure that, that either one can really play that position pretty well. Fairly interchangeable, though. I mean, you don't blitz you a lot keep going? From, from one position and not the other or anything like that. I mean, it's, it's fairly I, interchangeable. I think it's safe to say that Toa Toa is going to be one of the kids who will be playing early this yeah, season. Yeah, it's just a matter of whether he starts over, you know, Shannon Reed or Will Ignat, whoever might be his biggest competition. And Toa Toa is going to get more opportunity because Ignat is a little banged up right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on Friday night with some tape on his ankle. Yeah, and if I were a guy like Will Ignat, little... I would not want to be missing any practices right well, now. Ignat's I just guy, wouldn't. Ignat's a guy that's had a good summer, and he, he looks like a guy that's a lot more confident. A lot of, I think a lot of times last year he was very up and down. That happens when you're unsure and you're, you're kind of really playing for your first time. So He's the one who's surprisingly loud in that group. Like when you're watching him go through camp, uh, drills and things like that, you expect Batuli as the alpha to speak up a lot, but but the second loudest guy over there might it, be Ignat. He's, he's pretty communicative. And you see him talking a lot to Kevin Shearer between yes. his reps too. I think uh, the, one of the indoor practices, I think they talked for like a minute while the drills were going on. Just kept talking and Shearer was kind of, you know, probably had a question about something. And, and, and so you kind of see that. I don't say trust, but you see that that kind of relationship building on the field where yeah. maybe the coach and the player are seeing on the same you know seeing on the same page. And we talk all all about these guys that have gotten bigger and and put on more weight. Ignat's a guy that slimmed down. I think he's a lot slimmer than he was maybe this time last year. Mm-hmm. I think he was around two thirty five, maybe even more than that. I think he's listed at two twenty five now, and he looks slimmer. So that should yeah. help him move quicker. And hopefully, if you're Tennessee, you're hoping that as a second year guy in the system, that he's going to be a guy that that plays a lot faster. Yeah, my thought on that is that I think they wanted initially they wanted Ignat to be a little bit bigger, so he started putting on that weight, but then he didn't move as well as he did at the previous weight, and they just said, well, let's just go ahead and slim him back down a little bit so he moves better because if you have to sacrifice one thing, you don't want to sacrifice speed. So uh, I think he's slimmed down, and I think he's maybe more closer to his natural weight Still now. got the gun show, though. He's, yeah, he's still a strong guy. Of course, he has to stand there next to Batuli, which makes every linebacker y'all, look y'all like. You want to try to downplay Will Ignat's gun show while you're praising Buff Hamster 24-7, 365. <laughs> I love how triggered you get. Not so, you get not so, so Buff it's like It's like the one thing that you actually emote about is your steadfast belief that Buff Hamster is not that buff. Pretty, pretty, pretty strong kid. 
Listen. You know who is buff is Roman Harrison. I don't know how much he's going to play. There's a segue for That's you. It's a professional yep. segue. Grant gets jealous. Grant, you should be jealous of Roman Harrison. So he's yoked. So I know yeah. a lot. I know a lot of people were excited to see him. I will say the one thing about Harrison is he's not as tall as as Daryl Taylor and neither other... neither's Crouch. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Crouch. I, I, I mean, I still think he's hang in... on while I water this blanket. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> but Crouch is is body his body type is more inside linebackerish to me and still is i, I know they, they need him an outside linebacker and he wants to play there so it's worth giving him a shot but harrison has more of that edge rusher skill set but he's just six two instead of the six four or six five you often see out there on the edge so ha- how his length sort of matches up with tackles will be interesting to see as he as he continues to develop yeah and i said this on uh, a radio show earlier today when someone was asking about roman harrison because that's a name that they'd heard a lot throughout camp and i said you know the only thing that really concerns me there is when you see a kid who shows up looking like that, looking like a 34-year-old man when they show up on day one, you're like, okay, what's the upside, though? I mean, that's because you just wonder, like, is this you know, is this just what this kid uh, is going to look like? And if it is, that's fine, but he's going to have to be quick because he is not the 6'4 type, but you just watch him. He still needs to be one of the first four or five guys off the bus every single game. And if he's not going to play a lot, he needs to stand on the 50-yard line at the sideline with his helmet off, just staring at people throughout the game. I think he could be really effective in that role. That is a that is a cut-up-looking, nasty-looking kid. That kid looks like he wants to hit somebody. I, I do think Harrison probably plays some this year, maybe by default. I think he has to. They just don't have many options there. But he, he doesn't look like a day-one starter to me, but he looks like a guy who's going to have to play off the bench some just because he's got some potential there and he can give you – he can spell your main guys, you know, here and there. In the secondary, I think there's a couple guys to keep an eye on, and the main two guys to keep an eye on for me of newcomers are Jalen McCullough and and Warren Burrell. And either, of course, those guys aren't really newcomers because they were here in the spring. Burrell kind of, sort of, maybe starting to look like that guy that like that three star that didn't come in with a lot of expectations, but was going to play a role of some kind. I, he looks like a guy that'll probably help on special teams. But I like the attitude he plays the game yeah. with for a guy who's not huge. He, yeah, he's not the biggest. You know, you wonder. Against big receivers, you know, is he going to lose at the point of attack? Is he going to lose more than he wins in, in some of these 50-50 balls and those contested catches? But uh, he does not seem to back down from anybody. He's got long arms like they like. Mm-hmm. Good ball skills. He flashed a couple times back in the spring. So uh, he's sort of in the mix there. He might be their third-best cornerback right now. Uh, Jalen McCullough's a guy that – I'm going to say he is their third-best cornerback right now because Bailey Buchanan's not out there. Uh, and so they <clears throat> they got to figure out who their best four or five are. I think their best four – at this point, are Alante Taylor, Bryce Thompson, Nigel Warrior, and Trayvon Flowers. Uh, but beyond that, it's I think that's still pretty up for grabs. That star and, position seems yeah, wide There's over. basically five stars in the secondary in this area, and, and that's what well, that's what they're going to do. They're going to play at the star position. Whoever gets in their best five on the field. Yeah, uh, I, I think Bryce Thompson's probably the best uh, option for the the star spot, but not, he may I don't know. Yeah, you he may needs to tackle you, better if he's going to do that, but you may also want him just accounting for one half of the field and taking a receiver kind true. Of, yeah. out of the plan. Yeah, and if you play him in if you play him in the slot, you take him off the other team's best receiver. Uh, I, I'm a little hesitant about Nigel Warrior playing in the star spot because he's I wonder I wonder about him in coverage. I've never team. Um, he's not great in coverage. Teams sometimes move around their best receiver these days, though. You see true. him in the slot sometimes. So that's but, one thing. But those two freshmen look like they could have a you know could play in the secondary and help on special teams. I, and, and I will say this, Burrell, you mentioned not not the highest-rated guy, but you got to give if, – if he ends up being what we think he's going to be this year, you got to give Jeremy Pruitt staff credit because he they made him a bigger priority than his ranking would suggest. It was a Tennessee-Florida battle at the end. They they liked him for a long time and went after him pretty hard. So 
Uh, I think if, he's, ten, if Tennessee and Florida are both battling really hard for you at a premier position, you you, you may say, okay, he has a chance yeah. to be better than three stars. Yeah, oh, for sure. He, and and if Florida was Charlton Warren who went after him, right? Yeah. And Charlton Warren, when he was here, he wasn't here long, but who you have committed, he had J.C. Horn and yeah. uh, Trey Dean committed, and both those guys were pretty good players as freshmen at different schools. Yeah, so yeah, I, I think he's been ad, as advertised so far, but he, he was the one, when you looked at that group, you know, Kenny Solomon's probably a little raw, but a good athlete. You know, you've got some guys with potential, but you thought – if there was anyone from that group at corner that can play early, and we didn't th- think Jared Means would be a cornerback, but if you thought anyone from that group could play early, you thought Perrell had a shot, but he's, he's looked pretty good. And Solomon, he, he needs to get in the weight room, but I remember he, they were doing some of those release drills, and he was up against Juwan Jennings. He's aggressive. And he, he did not back off. He was even kind of trying to trying to get at Juwan a little bit. If you, if you go at the dog, you better you – better, you better have a lot of self-confidence and, if you're going to do that. And I think that the, the guy who Burrell reminded me of when he showed up was there was a couple guys, because I, I thought this about Justin Coleman and I thought this about Emmanuel Mosley. They were both guys who came in really kind of skinny, guys who weren't big-time, huge, 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 huge but, prospects. But Burrell like, but, but wasn't they, like a high school quarterback. They made a, but a the, cornerback. But the, no, those were just guys who, who were kind of not like premier cornerback prospects who showed up on campus on day one, and I thought – Okay, that kid's pretty tough. I like the way he plays the game. He's got a chance, and, and that he, he kind of reminded me of those couple guys. Is, is what those the, and he may be better than both of those guys. Although if you're better than Coleman, you're pretty good because he's one of the higher paid nickels in the NFL right now. But I, I'm just saying it, it's he's a guy who I've liked a lot. Col- Coleman's not a bad comparison. I think they're, they're similar in the sense that when you look at the measurables right now, Burrell's not the fastest straight line speed guy. That that was kind of the knock on him and just the how skinny he was. Um, but he's obviously added some weight, taking some strides in that area. And his length and just the way he plays sort of helps make up for the, the lack of elite speed. So I think he's he's just a good football player, and I, I won't be surprised if he's out there quite a bit, and I, I think he'll probably play pretty well. I think Jeremy, Jeremy Pritch pretty good at his job finding DBs, yeah. uh, knowing what he's looking for, getting Absolutely. those guys. Because, I mean, as, as much as you talk about questions on the defensive line, you go down the list of defensive backs, and it's like you're trying to find ways to get kids on the field because you think this, guy, this kid might be able to play. Look at Trayvon Flowers, too. Right, guy, guy that's how I much mean, how played, much young talent is in that group? Yeah, played played one year of high school football, and he's going to be a probably a starter and and at at safety in his sophomore year at Tennessee. Do y'all think we've have we discussed the the newcomers on the line of scrimmage enough? Or, or yeah, do we the need defensive to just, guys, yeah, offensive guys, no. Yeah, I don't know. I've said this before. I don't know that either Morris or Wright starts just from day one because I coaches when they're left to their own devices. Oftentimes, they don't want to throw a true freshman out there at offensive tackle in the first but game. Maybe they players, will. Maybe they, they don't won't. have a choice. They, Morris they, is they more likely, I think. I think Morris he is did have, He did have a full spring, so that's 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 different. I think but, he's, he's the better possibility of a day one starter, but I think by the end of the year, I will not be shocked at all if both have made at least three or four I'm starts. S- I'm sticking to my guns. I mean, they're elite talents. They're going to be on the, the field sooner rather than later. Sticking to my guns. To I like this. I, think I like I, this bold pat. Bold pat is good. I think I put that on like the first post-spring depth chart I did on the site. Yeah. <laughs> just straight, pass. just no. I've seen enough from the other guys. Let's see what these new guys are. Uh, Dar- Darnell Wright, you could kind of see him the first couple days. It was like, okay, he's this is a big time, big boy practice. Now you see him, he just looks much more settled in. He's not saying he's perfect. He's still raw, but still needs to change his body uh, a little bit. Yeah, he he could trim up a little bit. Uh, and the thing about Wanya Morris is people wonder, and kind of like with uh, Roman Harrison, was he six four? Six he's, four he's to six five. Your, he's, he's not. not he, he's not your six seven six six yeah. tackle. But if you were drawing up an ideal five lineman, I, he might be a guard instead. I, of a I tackle. think he's still though. You know his reach. It's probably yeah. makes up for 
He's, he's got those big oven mitt hands. Wise. Huh? He's got those big oven mitt hands. Yeah, he's got that and, going for him. And, you know, I think Darnell Wright just turned 18, like, this week. So, mm-hmm. Happy uh, birthday, but, Darnell. And, and, appar- and apparently, uh, apparently, Roman Harrison, you know, will, will be 18 throughout this entire season, which is just baffling. I, to me. Just remember, I just remember you guys writing a lot of stories talking to uh, Wright's coach about just how much his upside is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was a he was like a they, he was like a skill player in middle school. Like he wasn't a very yeah. big kid. He he kind of blew up. Uh, I guess as a freshman, sophomore in high school, whatever. And, and, and something his coach told me back in May before he got to campus was that, um, you know he. Coming from West Virginia high school ball, the SEC is a huge jump. Big jump. Uh, but he said that he watched him at the Under Armour practices, and it didn't take him long to adjust to going up against guys like Kayvon Thibodeau and some of those other edge rushers. And That's the point I was going to make. He struggled early, but he, he got his feet under him and yeah. even bad conditioning what do you, what do at you? that time in some ways. Ryan just mentally <laughs> jujitsued <laughs> your thoughts right there. <laughs> he, 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 he took your thought and he topped it. Yeah, He topped it. He went topper on you. He went topper. Uh, so yeah, the other guy on offense, I, I think the two tight ends are swimming right now. I think they, uh, Niedermeyer and, and behind the other guys, Niedermeyer right. is working them really hard and they're Ch- Jim Chaney's barking at them a lot too. And it's just, they're, they're, they're still adjusting. Uh, and, and this Tennessee, this is their first week really to get a good look at Eric Gray. Uh, we finally got to see the running backs the other day. Yeah. When he's, they pra- they without, without, a telescope, a <laughs> without a telescope, he's a little bit thicker than I thought he would be. He's not tall by any stretch. Um, but he's got a thicker lower body than I thought he would, and he's still pretty quick. He what, is. What's his, what's his hamster status? <laughs> he's, he's not hamster. He's not hamster. Well, you can be a hamster without being buff. That's true. <laughs> just be a hamster. You could. Or just an in-shape hamster. That's a fair point. That's a fair have point. We ever told it, this, have we ever told like why we call him that? Has that ever been explained? Probably not, and I'm, I doubt they care, he, but let's tell it. Because he's a normal-sized running back, and you all think he's Schwarzenegger in pads. <laughs> no, it, it's because... He looks like the buff hamster from Family Guy is the reason why. And if you've never seen that, just you know, just go ahead and go ahead and uh, go to go to YouTube and, and go Family Guy Buff Hamster. Yeah. You'll get and, and then you'll see like, wait, wait, that is what he looks like. I think like. it's just because I'm just more conditioned to see people in shape because I go to the gym a lot. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> my my eyes are more uh, mark mark down. Buff, buff people to us are not the same buff people to, to Grant Thank who you. lives in the weight room. Thank That's you. your point. My standards are different. You have more discerning taste on your in shape. Surrounded by skinny people. white folk. You're <laughs> just bragging because you go to the gym because you can get away from your kids when you do it. Thank uh, you. <laughs> Next. He's got no shame about it though. Nope. Next. You take uh, him. I'm tired. We, we did we didn't want to just talk about the newcomers because, you know, newcomers show up and they're the shiny new toys. Everyone likes well, talking we, about the shiny new toys. But the thing is, when you get when you show up to college, you get four to five years to improve yourself. And sometimes... an old toy. Yeah. You're like, yeah, we, you're an old toy. And we haven't seen him play real football. And, and Jeremy Pruitt always says, you get better at something the longer you do it. So he's, he's like, these guys will be better as seniors than they will be as freshmen. Yeah. I don't know, some of them look pretty good already. Yeah, but if they're still there as seniors, sometimes you'd be like, oh, and you go pro as a junior. That's kind of the Alabama-Clemson model right now. But you know what? Uh, right now at Tennessee, they need development. They need some of these guys to step up, and we're each taking one player, going to throw them around the room real quick and discuss one non, veteran. Non-newcomer, yeah. One, yeah, one veteran who has really kind of caught our eye this spring. And Ramey, for the first time in his entire life, was excited about something. I'm going to let him go first. And, and I'm going to go out on a really thin limb here, really shaky, and say yeah. Trey Smith. I don't Whoa. know if you've heard of this kid, number Whoa. 73. Whoa. Plays on the offense. This is only because at Friday night's practice, during a half-contact situation, uh, he was matched up against a – we don't need to give a jersey number to – 
identify this walk on, but yeah. it was just kind An of unfortunate a, victim. It was just kind of a kind of a hand striking kind of drill, and Trey just got his left hand right in this kid's armpit, and it looks like the kid stepped on a landmine. <laughs> I mean, he landed he landed on his back, and the coaches were like. Trey, Trey, chill, and Trey threw his hands up like, I didn't really mean to do that. Like, <laughs> I don't know my own strength. And then he walked back was like, I feel like a jerk. Yeah, he, he jogged by and to, to censor the, the you know, PG-13, he said, I feel like a jerk. Yeah, and he went and, like, he was just saying that to himself. He just put one of those mitts on the kid, and he did. The, the kid, like, exploded. Like, right. basically, it, that, that it was like... like a, he was on a trampoline or something. It, it took, it took like, what, 36 years on this earth, I finally saw a human being just explode. Right. That's what like, happened. And I don't, I don't know what that kid was expecting, either. It's not like, I mean, this they, is Trey Smith you're going up against. You yeah. might want to prepare yourself. Go to the other side of the line of scrimmage. Might want to... <laughs> Set up a little solid base. You there. think they draw straws for who has to have that role? They've gotten bigger walk-ons, but apparently not enough to to avoid. Well, that kind I looked this happened. kid up. He's listed at like three oh six, and <laughs> and I don't know. He Trey threw him around like my we, kid throws dolls. We say this again that, and, and it's again why it's such a shame that he's had to go through what he's had to go through because he's he's a good kid and, and all of that, but. He's also just one hell of a prospect. He is a large human being who is ridiculously strong, surprisingly quick, and just will maul people if he's able to get back out there and play at 100% or even close to it because he's just – last year he didn't have an offseason at all and he played on one leg for most of the season when he, he was able to play because he had a knee that he hurt pretty badly in the first game of the season. But after waiting the whole offseason to get out there and play, he was like, no, just tape it up. I'm going to play. And, and so he – even beyond the blood clotting situation, which is huge, he also played through some other stuff last year and just wasn't all he could be. But, man, he's a good prospect. And he's also my pick because he, as he's actually doing the stuff that Jeremy Pruitt says, he's everything except basically the full contact stuff. I mean, he does every single individual rep that his teammates do, and then when it's time to go more team and contact stuff, they pull him out and do stuff on the side. And I love looking at every single day it grows – but like the little like when they go from those periods where they're not going when they're going full contact basically every day it looks like Trey Smith gets a little bit angrier when he yeah. can't go then it's like he has to sit there and stew on the sideline for a minute it's like every day that rage just gets a little more and I I like that because you talk about like a fire in someone's eye fire in someone's belly that kid wants to go out there and punish people. Like he doesn't want to just go half speed exploding people. He wants to go out there and like his first game against Georgia Tech as a freshman at Tennessee and just destroy people up front. If he's out there this season, I, he'll be a very motivated player. I would have to imagine uh, after. I mean, last year he would probably tell you he didn't play as well as he would like to. In addition to dealing with all that stuff, and I'm, I'm sure he wants to make up for that. So I, I, I don't care I, who you are. You don't get an off season. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I I hope he gets to play this year for selfish reasons because I want to see what he's capable of after a, maybe a, a more normal offseason in a way where he's almost been preparing for this all along, even though he didn't know it was for sure going to happen. And I, I like this pick. I'm going to let, let Pat go next because he's picking he's picking a guy that I I like a lot, and I, I really am I'm glad that you picked this guy. Are Pat, you reclaiming him as a ninja? No, he's been a ninja the whole time. Once you're claimed oh, as a ninja, that status never goes you re- away. You regret your pick? <clears throat> well, kind of now. Um, he's been stuck in the parking lot at the dojo for the last <laughs> six months. <laughs> Oh, I mean, uh, yes, my pick is Brandon Johnson off the milk carton. Uh, He basically disappeared the last half of last season. I think he had – this is a guy that led Tennessee in receiving in 2017. Um, And I believe he had 14 catches all last year, and I think four of them came like the last seven or eight games last season. So he he basically vanished. Um, And uh, But this preseason, he's catching the ball. I think he's caught everything. I've seen him – I don't think I've seen him drop a pass in routes on air. 
Uh, he looks quick off the line. Running really good routes. Um, yeah, I wonder if he's slimmed down a little crisp bit. On it, crisper on his routes. Um, they, they do these line release drills, and a lot of guys are getting stuck on these DBs. They're getting hands on them and not getting off the line. He's kind of using his quickness and his veteran craftiness to sort of get around guys quickly. The YMCA basketball moves. I don't know how much he's how many of those reps he's, quote, lost. Um, so uh, I think if you're if you're looking at Tennessee's receiver rotation, I think beyond the top three, the next two guys at this point are probably Jordan Murphy um, and Brandon Johnson, who, uh, again, is just sort of – I don't know if it's like the senior year rejuvenation thing or what it is. It's you know Sometimes you, you get to that point of your career and you're like, I got one last chance to um, try to give myself a, a – a career, uh, a future in this game, and so maybe that's what it is. But And they consistently, uh, those two look like the most polished two wide receivers out there at practice. When you look just smooth is the word I think last, of. No, I'm, I'm not, I'm just, you mentioned Murphy and Johnson. I was going to throw that out there. Now the floor Callaway is yours again. pretty good, too. I mean, no, I'm talking just like as a natural, smooth receiver. Those two always catch my eye. And, and, again, I don't, I don't know that he's going to go out there and catch 35 passes, and you know he still kind of is what he is. He's not, not going to do a lot after the catch for you. Uh, he's he's had some not bad, with that kind of attitude. He's yeah, not. he's had some bad drops in his career. Uh, a couple t- couple you know here and there. So, uh, but I think he's a guy that's been around and played a lot. And if you need to go to him in some situations, you can. If you're T Martin and if you're Jim Chaney, you can trust having him out on the field there. Uh, whenever you need him, you know you're you kind of know what you're going to get with him. But uh, he's just a veteran that sort of look like he's you know playing with a little different edge so far this preseason. Yeah, Johnson, I've always thought is the is. He and Jordan Murphy are just the the two smoothest wide receivers they have in that group, and and, and and Johnson runs good routes, and I still think Murphy's the most explosive playmaker in that group. And for the record, you three all picked starters, so I pick a guy that's not starting. So I, like I love, that. and I said I love the pick. What more do you want, Pat? My guy's not starting want? right now. Yeah, that's true. What are you talking about? His guy, Grant's guy, can't even do contact he, yeah, right now. He's not even practicing. That's the limb I'm going. <laughs> we're talking, out we're on. talking about practice, man. <laughs> not a game. I just I, I still think, and I still watch him every day, and, and I think. Man, Jordan Murphy's the most explosive playmaker in that group. If he's a guy who could ever really put the whole thing together, I don't know if he will at this point. He's still got another year. I didn't pick do Brandon this. Murphy, so is uh, he your pick? No, Jordan Murphy's not my pick, but we're not getting him. Kind of sounds, like it's, Ryan's. Kinda sounds like it's your pick. <laughs> you mentioned those two at wide receivers, and I thought I would drop some insight in there. Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing here, Pat? Yes, it's time to pivot. Pivot, Ryan, your guy. Uh, I, I'm, I am going with the starter. Sorry for the cop out there, but um, starter for now. Yeah, starter for now. I, I think he's. I think he's a starter, but. Um, We'll, we'll see where he ends up, but I, th- I think he's looked good this offseason. Trayvon Flowers at safety, I think, has clearly taken a step forward from last season. Uh, he's, he's wearing a different number now. Maybe, maybe that makes him look faster, too. But he looks like he's a he's he's moving smoother out there. Uh, that's a bold it, statement. You go wear one, you better be good. That's true. Uh, he's, he's in better shape now. It, it looks like he's bulked up and gotten faster. Uh, maybe not too much bigger, but no, looks better, as, as most players do after a year in the strength and conditioning program. And he just looks like he has a much better understanding out there of what he's doing. When, when he's going through some of the most basic drills, he's he's moving faster because he gets it. And a year ago, I don't think that was the case because he was still fairly new getting back into the game after not playing since eighth grade until his senior year. Uh, and, it, you know, he'd signed, of course, to play baseball at Kentucky, got into football just one last chance in high school and ends up kind of reversing course when Tennessee and Clemson and a few others found him uh, during a senior season. So, impressive looking athlete out there and i think he's he's you know lining up opposite or alongside nigel warrior i I think he's got a chance to have a really good year so i i've I've been impressed by flowers and think he is uh, that's gone from a question mark in my mind to to making me think you know what they're going to be pretty good there at safety especially if Jalen mccullough can help them behind him but even 
even McCullough has maybe I thought he might be ready to challenge Flowers for that starting job going into the season. I think I think Flowers is is going to be comfortably ahead, even though McCullough's pushing for playing time too. And McCullough just looks like a monster when he's out there. Yeah. He's just physically a large kid. But I, I think Flowers probably has the best ball skills of anybody on the back end, mm-hmm. and, and that's you can tell the baseball skills there. The ball in flight, he knows how to get there. He takes good routes. He's smart, and he's gotten bigger enough now where he can maybe kind of hold up butter physically in yeah. some contact situations. So I do like that pick, and I think he's a guy who, uh, if he stays healthy and all that good stuff, could could have a pretty solid season for Tennessee. I do like him. Grant, do you like that pick? I'm, we'll get Wes's opinion on, on all of these. I want to know your thoughts on Trayvon Flowers as my pick. Yeah, I mean, if Pat, Patrick picked him, I'm, I'm there. But since Ryan picked him, okay. a little how more many, hesitant. Grant, how, no, I now I don't want to hear it, Grant. How, how, many guy, how many guys has Trayvon Flowers made explode on contact? No, zero. 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 Zero point zero. I've right never here. seen him single-handedly throw a 300-pounder. In I mean, a non-contact drill. I mean, that's fair. With his offhand, with his with his with his weaker yeah, hand. So, I mean, you can have a starter if you want. That's cool. <laughs> and I'm gonna go with man. This is way too safe as a pick. I really, really hated to do this, and I thought for a long time about making a different pick, but it's I still informative. I just can't say enough good things about what Dominic Wood Anderson is looking like these days. Uh, this is a guy who everyone thought just was gonna have a huge year last season, in Tennessee. Forgetting the fact that as a JUCO tight end. Tight end still a tough position to learn. He played quarterback in high school. He played mostly like a big flex wide receiver a little bit in, in JUCO. Playing on the line of scrimmage in the SEC is a huge transition, and he played for an offense that wasn't very good. So on top of all of that, um, he just he wasn't going to be a good year. wasn't going to be a great year. I think this guy right now, if Tennessee stays okay up front and Garantano stays healthy and is able to get him the ball, and they are rooming together in camp, which is – which is big. Uh, the two of those hashtag storyline. Garantano, Wood Anderson, and Chandler were 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 paired up as roommates in a in a um, in the dorms for camp. And I, I just Wood Anderson to me. I mean, he made a one handed catch look so effortless in in practice on Friday night. Just went right there with his left hand and casually too. Like he could have probably stuck out both arms and got it, but he just kind of in one motion went out and got the ball and kind of tucked it in and kept running. It's like, yeah, that's a good player. Aside from, that guy's just good. Aside from quarterback, where you go from Garantano to no matter who it is, a guy who hasn't played is the biggest drop off from one to two from Dominic Wood Anderson to whoever the number two tight end is going to be. Yeah, there's a large, and I think Austin Pope's been dinged up too in camp. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't think he's been at a hundred percent, which hurts. And and then you know a guy who we never mention and we probably won't mention a, a lot, uh, but I think Andrew Craig does need some love yeah, because that guy he'll play some. That guy has got pretty good hands. He is a pretty tough blocker up front. Uh, he actually made some of the most impressive catches in practice all last season. He's a guy who from Webb School in Knoxville, which again is a Knox Catholic guy. If I'm praising a guy from Webb, you know that means something. I, I think this kid's going to help him. I think they he's need, a pretty they, solid player. He's not Wood Anderson, but he's, he's a solid player. He, he's more of like a fullback, H-back kind of goal like line. Fan, mm-hmm. yeah. Three tight end on the field kind of guy. They yeah. still need Jackson Lowe to emerge, too. They need another guy there to help out, and he's probably the best candidate, but no one's really stepped forward there yet. Hey, good news, guys. We still have products, don't we? Sure. We're taking questions after after the break, right? I mean, if I decide that we are. Rapid fire. Yeah. Products, services, we like all those all things. All of it. Roll that beautiful bean footage. Be back in a second, guys. Hashtag ad. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We're back. That was great. Rapid fire time. That was Let's a good Let's get break. to the questions on the, on, on, on the board. You're going to rapid fire this? You're going you're gonna to minimize the contributions from, from our readers and well, you're going to dismiss it like that? A lot of these answers because we we've yeah. talked about everything. So Question need, number one, but, shout out. But we need to give the people who ask questions some, some love. Blake11367. Uh, yeah, from Blake11367. Not sure. I wonder what that means. I wonder if that's just the random, like there's already a Blake, so you have Blake, to have this you, many Blake, when numbers. you hear this, come, come into the, the podcast thread He was the 11,367th Blake. I was going to say, that We're pretty big. We're worldwide. We're worldwide. Here's this question. Prestige uh, worldwide. Is worldwide, worldwide. Is Middleton ready to start game one? If Solomon isn't eligible, uh, he might have to be. If somebody yeah. can tell him where to go and what to do, he's gotta he's gotta be more Basically physical. What and, Pruitt sounded. Yeah, more. he's gotta be more physical and learn to hit people a little bit more consistently. But if he to answer your question, no. Well, no, they may have to start him. He just may not be as ready as they would like him to be. If it you're six be, seven three fifteen, you kind of have to be ready. Yeah, he's been getting a lot of run with what looks like a first team unit out there. So I, I think there's a decent chance. Might have starts. somebody holding his hand a little bit, but he might be out there. He had two questions. He said, also, how much playing time does Area Fifty One? Pretty good nickname for Elijah Simmons. That is, I like that. Pretty, I don't know where that came from, but it's incredible. Mm-hmm. It is a good one. At this point, who isn't going to play on the defensive line? I think is the more realistic question. Without Karat Garland, I can't. I think they're nine scholarship defensive linemen now. That's correct. Ten. So, no, there's ten. Ten, okay. But if Solomon's not eligible, oh yeah. Also, yeah. first three games factor in Georgia State and Chattanooga. Yeah, I don't yeah. know about BYU, but so I all mean, those guys are getting. A, there's a, there's a lot all of those guys there. are going to play them because even if you redshirt them, you're going to play yeah, them in those couple. Right. Games. You're trying right. all of them just to see what they've got. It feels probably, like a, so. feels like we kind of cheated them on that answer though, because. But but no, I think to to answer that, I don't think Simmons is a redshirt guy. I think now. Before he could have been if he wasn't totally ready, but now I think he's got to play. I think he's going to be out there at least six or seven games. Here's a question from Watagaval. He had uh, first off, he began with a comment and then a question, like vol call style. Hashtag vol call. You're going to you're, you're gonna have to say call. the B word here. Uh, yeah, uh, Butch's staff. Here's his first comment. <laughs> Butch's staff struggled with player development. Second one, Dooley's staff struggled with game management and in-state recruiting. So here's his question after those two comments. What is the biggest area of improvement fans need to see from Pruitt and his staff in y'all's opinion? I think we've already seen some of it. I think the biggest thing is just sort of... They the, have a pair. Well, no, I, I think the biggest thing... What from seeing a couple head coaches fail, I think the most underrated attribute in a head coach is being willing to admit your own mistakes, which we know Butch Jones struggled with, and adjusting. And, and you have to be bold too. And Jeremy Pruitt has adjusted as quickly as any first-time head coach I've seen. He's he's he almost immediately identified some weaknesses in his staff, went out and aggressively sought uh, replacements that could address those mistakes. And he's he's gone out, and I think tweaked how he's done some things too i think he's his day-to-day operations are a little different he's he's delegating more obviously handing off defensive play calling duties to, to Derek ainsley philip former's maybe helped helped guide him along and let him know that there's some things that he needs to do a certain way because and, as a head coach he, you can't he, do it all he hadn't used that as a something that annoys him either he genuinely right. seems to get along really well with former and listens to him and, and, I, and i think he, he knows now that you can't you can't handle everything yourself you as can't a head fix coach. everything on yeah. your own so handing off the offense to Jim Chaney's helped him a lot. I think all those adjustments, that, that was the thing he needed to do this year, and I think he's already well on his way to doing that. So I think that's the biggest thing. I think that's a great answer. 
next. <laughs> I agree with that. Consistency. You can't get down thirty three to three against Florida and, yeah. then, and then play pretty well on the road against Auburn and beat roll Kentucky at home and then get your tail kicked against uh, Missouri and Vanderbilt the way they did. Just be more consistent. All coaches, when they get somewhere as a first-year guy, they will talk to reporters a little bit behind the scenes, and they'll tell them, okay, this is where this program's short. This is what I want to happen. This is what's going to happen. Here's how it's going to be addressed. They say that a little bit on the record and even more so off the record, and I'll say this. In terms of making predictions and what they were going to be, Pruitt has been pretty darn good to the things that he's told me that he wants to do with this program, and they're happening. So he's calling his shots a little bit in some of the things they're doing and, and being admitting point blank when he thinks they're going to struggle in some areas. And, yeah. and I think that kind of candor is good, and I think that's another reason why this guy has a chance because he seems to be honest and he's bold and he's on, and I, I just I think he is a football guy, which helps. And I, th- I think the other thing I'll add to part of the learning process, Ryan, that you talked about is uh, something he openly admitted at Media Days, which was he didn't really – build much of a relationship with his players. Great uh, point. I, I think that's something, and that maybe that's, you know, contributed to some of the what happened on the stretch of, in the last few games last season. Uh, you, you don't really hear that anymore. You hear players talk about how hungry he is, how he's just as hungry to win and wants to win as much as the players. You hear a guy like Juwan Jennings the other day say that this staff is full of winners. I mean, that that's, that you know, and, and Juwan's a guy we all know. He's going to tell it like it is. He's going to tell it like he sees it, so. Uh, that I think that's another area that he sort of learned and adjusted his approach. And I think another thing you uh, on on top of that he he always has to get the last word, doesn't well, he? <laughs> no, but you SMH verbal SMH topper's got a top. No, you you raised a good point about his the way he's. I tried to cover it up with a compliment. No, the way he's dealt with players, and I think I've noticed a difference in this preseason and this whole offseason. He's he seems to be last year. I think he was bluntly kind of telling it like it is with a lot of players. This year, I see him trying to instill confidence in players in situations where he wouldn't because he's developed better relationship yeah, with exactly. them, and he's realized that you know he has to whether he wants them or not. These are his guys. These are his guys, and he's got to he's got to build them up instead of just calling it like it is. So I think that's that's another uh, again adjustment we've seen from him is that he knows he's got to build these guys up and show some confidence in them. I do want to give credit to Tampa Ball for this question. I don't think we're going to be able to fully answer this because we're going to have to to do this on the site. Uh, he asked about an anticipated depth chart, which again we will get to first. You know. In a, and I would say within the next couple of weeks, we will come out with a pretty thorough, anticip, you know, kind of projected depth chart. But he did ask about some surprises and sleepers. I'll throw one out there. Uh, I, I, every time I watch him play, I just think Shannon Reed's a good football player. I don't know if he starts because Toa Toa's there and, and there's going to be – I don't know if he's going to play a ton, but he just is a really instinctual, really solid, just really, I think, a pretty just good football player. And I think he's a guy who, when you just watch him practice, you go, he's got something. And I think he's a guy who's going to help him. My, my sleeper is is Shamwow. Back from the dead. Shamber. Back from all, the I'm dead. I'm taking all the guys off the, car, off the milk cart tonight. <laughs> Uh, he's he's got ability, but if he he just needs to put it together, you're being loyal to your guys. You were on the Shamwild train a couple um, of years ago, so I, I I respect this. And he's I think he's in the mix there for that star spot. I think he sort of brings a little bit of that what you need there. Um, it's still a long way to go, and I it, I don't I don't I don't trust him necessarily. But uh, if you're asking for a sleeper, I'll I'll take him. I think that's a pretty good one. I'm gonna take Elijah Simmons just to make West man. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bee sting. I- out for a sleeper, I'll go with Ryan Johnson. Uh, I think we've almost written him off. Speaking of back from the dead, yeah. In the offensive line discussion, I think he's been. It's the longer hair. I think. I really. mean, first of all, we knew he was long hair. Don't care. 
we know he's played a lot of football, but with the with the talent they've added, it looked like he maybe wasn't in line for a starting job. But I, I think he's going to end up playing some this year, whether by injury or whatever. He'll he'll be out there. Can I change my answer? Sure. <laughs> Buff hamster. That's about to work. I almost did that. I almost, I almost that, went there. Here boy, we that go. is an outstanding segue into the next question, which is again from Blake one one three six seven four nine nine zero two one zero you know eight six seven five three zero nine. A lot of numbers there after Blake's name, but here we are. Blake got two questions in. Yeah. Hey, we didn't He's say the, we didn't wins. say one per person. Share the wealth, Blake. Come on. Assuming all the running backs are healthy. Does Gray redshirt, or nope. does Tennessee find a way to use him this year? Quick answer to that, no. That kid's he's, going to play on special playing. teams and play a little bit on offense. He's going to play a lot. I, I think they play a little more, more than a little bit on offense. I, I think he probably – You're thinking to, just as a, as the primary guy behind no, Chandler, you think? Uh, I think he's a situational guy that because could that be used fairly in, heavily. Because that flies in the face of his sleeper pick a second ago. I, I think he – That wasn't a serious sleeper pick. <laughs> no, I, I – no, I think if well, how, how am I supposed to know that? I think it ends up being a backfield where you can kind of play some guys situationally. Banks yeah, is your power it's, guy. It's Gray a kind of committee. Your, yeah, kind you, of a committee. But if you're making a pecking order, I think it would be Chandler, Jordan, Gray, the yeah, Banks right now. I agree with that. BG Vol nine five with the question: Who has stood out more, Crouch or Toa Toa? Toa Toa. Not even any hesitation on yeah. Henry Toa Toa. Toa. That's Did pretty you, quick on that one. No, so, sorry, Crouch, you are an impressive specimen. But He's learning. Toa Toa's. Pretty polished. Crouch, got to remember this. Crouch had never really played defense before he got here. He'd played some a little bit in high school, but he has he had very little idea of what he was doing at linebacker. He's been having to learn that all year, and he's he's kind of switched to outside linebacker, so he's still very much in the learning process. Toa Toa has been playing linebacker for a while, and he picks up stuff pretty quickly. So BG Vol has been a member for sixty nine months. So nice, appreciate the business. <laughs> Sexy, it's good. Woody12 with a question, which freshmen have made the biggest splash? We've already answered that a little bit, but he has other questions on top of that. How many freshmen do you expect to play big roles on the field this year? Well, define big roles. Yeah. He didn't He didn't, He didn't. didn't uh, go into specifics. Elijah Simmons, because if he's out there, he's a big kid. <laughs> big kid. I haven't counted him up. They're uh, like, they're going to they're gonna throw a flag for 12 on the field, uh, and then have to be like, no, wait, wait, wait. Wait, one of them was Elijah Simmons. That's like, okay. Like, yeah, do you That's count? 11. That's 11. Like, does Roman Harrison count as a guy who's going to play a big role? He's going to play some, I think, barring injuries. He'll be big while he doesn't. <laughs> I'd say I'm just ballparking here. Is he just buff buff? He's not buff hamster. He's just buff. I'd say 8 or 10, something like that. Uh, I think a lot be, of them are going to play. It'll be a good number that play that play big roles. I think, you know, less than half the class. How, but many, a good how, how many newcomers do they have? 20, 22 that they signed plus the two transfers. Well, there'll be at least two starters. Yeah, I'm going yeah, to go with Ronda. offensive line. Yeah, I'm going to go with Ronda. Du- I'm going to go with Ronda dozen or so make pretty good contributions oh, yeah. this season. That's, I think that's it's going to be a pretty pretty high number. I think that we just laid it out on the defensive line. You got to have all three of those guys on the offensive line. You're going to have at least a couple that play. I mean, wide wide receivers maybe the one position you can kind of rule it out because you got six veterans there, but everywhere else they've got chances to have some young guys in there. And then I don't want to ignore this because he did mentioned the question and i think we discussed it a little bit but he said what bets everyone dismissing not thinking about and could wow. have a really big year so i think we've discussed that a little bit have we not yeah we did i think we, discussed we did not that. steal that idea though by the way patrick brown has a question in the thread he just says bump bump <laughs> do you do you want to do you want to talk well, about give me that? some give me some love for the manatee gif that was fantastic. That, was that, that 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 gif makes me laugh every time i see it we'll wrap up on this one right here from simpson vault uh, no numbers, just Simpson Vol, just letters in this name. Here we go. Given what y'all have seen so far, how would you rank the units? I think the tight end unit might be the weakest. I don't know about that because I think Dominic Wood Anderson is pretty darn good, and I don't. I think he's 
I, I think Austin Pope's serviceable behind him, and I think they got a couple other guys who can step up. I don't know if it's the weakest unit on the team. The top two, I think, have to be the wide receivers and the defensive backs. Yeah. Wide receivers are one with a bullet, but I think I think DBs are a pretty good number two. Depends on how you weigh a position unit. You know, you've got strong starters at quarterback and tight end, but the depth is questionable. Um, so do you does it outweigh the depth concerns that you have good dependable starters there? I think the most fascinating plot line of this entire season is that so many people are predicting such a big kind of bounce back or, or just a huge year from Garantano. You see, talking about how strong he is, I don't know if people need to be assuming that much about just how great he's going to be. Yeah. That's another that, that's a whole other podcast to talk about, but I just there seems to be this whole they look up numbers and say, "Hey, you know, statistically speaking, he was right. a lot better than people thought last year." And, and I think the truth is probably somewhere in between how much people have dogged him and how much greatness people see from him. I think he's a pretty good player and I think he's going to be a pretty solid player, um, but I, I don't I don't know that people are just I don't want people to get their hopes up too much on thinking this kid's going to go out there and I, just be a star. I don't know if I, I still don't know if I see that, but he does have talent. I, I do think the the three biggest concerns, if you're just looking at position groups, are offensive line, defensive line, and tight ends. Yeah, I, I think, think those have to be the three. Which is the which is, ladies and gentlemen, the line of scrimmage. If, yeah. you, if you're <laughs> if you were ranking them, I think those three would be at the bottom. Uh, it's hard. See, another position is is outside linebacker because you got yeah. a guy like Daryl Taylor who's. Looks like a million bucks and kind of like the tight end position. You got one guy there. You got one guy, great. and you got a bunch of guys that are unproven and inconsistent that you know have shown stuff, but not always show. They don't always show it. So you're you're on maybe you're, that's you're on next. notice, DeAndre Johnson. You need to have a good year. Yeah, you, know, you need to go out there and be a better player. You got that in you. Y'all suck at rapid fire. <laughs> when I started I, this, I said rapid fire. I will. I'll go with tight. End. I'll agree that tight end's the weakest, just because I think there is a pretty big drop off from Wood Anderson to Pope. Even though Pope's a solid player, I just think. Anderson's what Anderson's that good, and then you need a second guy to emerge there. I'm still saying defensive line until proven otherwise. A lot of, lot of wild cards there. Shaky limb there, Wes. Way to go out on it. I think that looking at the situation without good, and I think that changed a lot of things. D line's a bigger concern because you can't you can't win very much without a good defensive line, or at least solid. Grant, do you have any more complaints about anything that we're doing around here before we get out of here? Uh, no, just in general, y'all suck. <laughs> think that's fair <laughs> thanks for tuning in guys as always we we've been giving you a bunch of the short podcasts lately so we wanted to go back to a full episode give you all a lot to listen to over the next couple days tennessee's gonna have a scrimmage over the weekend we'll have a lot of we won't be able to see that but we will hear about things that happen there we will bring you stuff from that uh, we will have a lot of stuff going on on the website uh you can also find us on social media i'm west rucker 24 7 on twitter patrick brown is p brown 24 7 on twitter ryan callahan's ryan callahan 24 7 on twitter grant ramey who does not want 24 7 in his name because he is not a team player is just twitter.com slash grant ramey you can also find all of us on twitter twitter.com slash go 24 7 you can also go to our facebook page facebook.com slash go 24 7 pat and grant especially uh, have done a really great job uh, on that page ryan too i think i'm the, the weak link here grant does most of it i said grant and pat did i not in that order grant's been doing all of it lately let's go ahead and give the credit where it's due <laughs> i won't because he's been a jerk he right now served my role on facebook <laughs> you could also if you want to drink water straight from the hose you just just throw it at you govals247.com the best site on all of al gore's internets you can go get right now a 30 percent off of an annual subscription right now and it's like this podcast but pretty much 24 hours a day seven days a week and go to the checkerboard message board uh, you will not find any place on the internet that has more tennessee specific coverage than govals247.com i'll say that until i'm blue in the face and i'll be right every time i say it there is nowhere you can go on the internet to get more tennessee coverage than govals247.com 
Kong. And casserole discussion. That too. Pat, any final thoughts? Ronald Acuna.